I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Chocolate. It doesn't say anything about a chocolate. Hello and welcome to the Spool Podcast, where we will be trying to make sense of what is going on in the world around the coronavirus, and particularly how it pertains to movie going, cinema attendance. Film watching at home, box set, culture, the entertainment industry as a whole. Um, we are recording a few metres apart. Hello, Pork. How are you doing on that side of the room? Good, yeah. Not too bad. Good, man. And we just didn't, about to see you. We did shake hands or anything like that. Um, so, yeah, this is unprecedented. We know it's an incredibly serious topic, but amidst all that kind of darkness and heavy news coverage, I suppose what we'll try to do in this uh, conversation is just try to shine a light on as uh, what society can continue to do to um you know is still enjoying um movies. keep entertained yeah to stay entertained and distracted which is ultimately what cinema is meant to do offer a bit of an escape and exploration of world cultures or whatever that means so a couple of days ago in the u.s there was a survey where about a third of people said that uh cinema should be closed immediately just as a as a um as a straight up thing without any probably much regard for the whole industry around all that but that's what they said we know that in china and in italy and cinemas have closed here in ireland republic of ireland and definitely northern ireland omniplex are putting um what would you call it social distancing seating policies book seats beside each other unless you like or you want to sit beside each other so they would put like two seats in between you and that's the way they're doing it, which kind of sounds brilliant. I was just like, I love when nobody sits beside me. Like, Yeah, 50% capacity. In France, they're doing it by row. So there'll be a row free, then a full row, and then a row free. So again, I don't know. That you, makes no sense. You're looking for a chessboard kind of uh, effect on the whole thing, probably. But yeah. then is that a meter? Who knows? Um, the 4DX screenings in Cineworld yeah. are probably going to have to wind down based on uh, the fact that there's all that oh, yeah, air blowing yeah. around the room and I, water droplets and everything. So I did review my Lighthouse subscription uh, recently because it, um, it had expired a while ago. And I overheard a guy saying, oh yeah, so you're in row here, blah, blah, blah. And I was like... Oh, if they brought in a signed seat now. Now, it wasn't for the screen I went to see. Uh, I went to see Colorado Space, which we're going to talk about later. But I wonder now, is this where cinemas across the board will bring in a signed seat and we're by like, no, you have to sit here. And that's just the way it is now. Who knows? Yeah. yeah. Um, th- so probably we, we already know that um, two big Hollywood films, um, the James Bond film, No Time to Die, the film that is probably the most cursed movie of all time. Uh, which has had so many delays, changes in 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 crew, director, Directors, and everything like that, yeah. um, to a point where I don't even know if anyone wanted this film to come out. Anyway, yeah. it's not coming out next month. It's been pushed back to November. Um, likewise, uh, I Pete, said Daniel Craig is like, when can I be done with this? Please let me get divorced from the broccoli gang and this fucking franchise. But he's incre- being made incredibly wealthy. Did you see any of his Saturday Night Live uh, skit? He was obviously booked in weeks oh, ago. Okay. Um, but he was the guest uh, last yeah. weekend, who's very good. And from Knives like Out, you get reminded. Like things at the moment. I think they're very funny yeah and from knives out um benoit blanche wasn't that his name yeah Blanc, um we know he can do a lot more so again looking forward to him being divorced from all that but anyway peter rabbit 2 has been delayed as well and they're like splitting up releases around american and global stuff um maybe they'll have to start kind of bypassing cinemas and just go straight to streaming services because yeah. it's like 
okay, we can push this to now, but that's when this was supposed to come out and the cinema might actually not be open then. So but we cut a deal with Netflix or Amazon or Disney to get this on and, and just get it out there. Coop. Yeah, the two that I think, they, the two big giant global blockbusters on the way, the first one is Mulan, which is March 26th, which obviously is a Chinese story, which would have had massive, massive interest in that market. Um, that's apparently still kind of in line for release on that date in America. Um, and then Black Widow, which um, Scarlett Johansson starring is May 1st. So I suppose who knows at that point what uh, what stuff will kind of be going Maybe on. Maybe this could be the end of big studios because they're going to lose so much money in this and it'll go back to like the 70s where it's the independent renaissance. Maybe, maybe so. I don't know. It's kind of, It definitely feels an unchartered uh, time and unprecedented era and everything. Um, so what we did think would be kind of fun to do is we're ultimately we're being instructed whatever happens with the cinemas that's fine for as long as we'll have broadband and for as long as these systems are up and running we will be able to uh, consume lots of media at home as we're you know minding ourselves you know self-isolation or whether we're just actually events aren't happening um so what we thought it'd be kind of fun to do is just re- go through some of the the main on-demand services and see what's sort of ticking on them yeah. um first one i might kick off with is um on film four because people may not know this but as part of all four um film four over the last sort of six nine months has sort of added a massive range of um of on-demand full cinema releases on it which i think is insane um but what it means is at the minute you've got uh, lots of films with kind of seven-day catch-up rights, three-day catch-up rights. Some of the ones that um, struck me were uh, Passengers, Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence is in there, The Handmaiden, uh, Buffalo Soldier, a um, couple of things like that. I haven't watched any with, the, with this that's yet. That's not the Bob Marley documentary, no? No, that's uh, Joaquin Phoenix. One of the first films I saw when I went to college. Oh, wow. 2003, went into the screen cinema. Um, when back in whatever week that was, back in 2003, got American Honey in there, Force Majeure, 24-hour party people, like um, lots and lots of uh, really, really good stuff um, in there. Kind of British cinema as well represented, but a lot of good stuff from around the world as well. Um, yep. So that's uh, just available on uh, all four, and you search for the category film, and you'll be able to find all that. Yeah, so then on other streaming services, we have Netflix. So I thought it'd be kind of funny. Yeah, you have the function to add, um, create your own list of stuff you want to watch as you're streaming through it. Yeah, which some people use and some people don't, right? Mm. So on my list, uh, I'm going to leave out the TV shows. <coughs> uh, so here are kind of some good ones to catch up. Uh, Uncut Gems, saw it in the cinema, but now it's on the thing, so you can kind of give it a bit more time. Uh, Dunkirk, also they've added it downsizing is there it's kind of an old one from the past that i never saw and kind of heard them talking about in another film podcast recently and i was like oh i should actually give this a listen uh, a watch we've got true romance um good time the kind of prequel the the first film from uh, the guys behind uh, uncut gems uh american psycho which i've actually never seen so that's kind of in there for one to check out uh call me by your name is there which i think was the longest running lighthouse uh, yes cinema film uh and there was kind of another kind of old one. Oh yeah the raid is there which is good fun and missing link has just been added which is the animated film that was oscar nominated that a lot of people thought actually should have won and not uh the pixar film so yeah kind of lots of good stuff to see there west side story enter the dragon old classics midnight express 
So, you know, you've uh, you've no reason to be going out to the shops or, you know, infecting people. Excellent. I will just add uh, a documentary, uh, sorry, no, a, a dramatization from um, 22nd of July, Paul Greengrass, um, the film from who, uh, do you remember it? Based around the, oh, I can't remember what the, where the thing. A documentary directed by Paul Greengrass. No, uh, yeah, anyway, 22nd of July. No, it's a drama thing about a terrorist attack. Uh, I've also got uh, The Invitation. I've also got Quincy, which is a documentary. Um, about On the Quincy. doctor show? No. The medical Quincy MD? No. Him and Sam? No. Oh. Musical legend. Oh, okay. Quincy you know, Jones. Yeah, yeah Fair thanks enough. for that. Uh, I never watched Outlocking, uh, the thing with... Um, Chris Pine, where I think his, his penis is, is in there. Uh, the Orson Welles uh, documentary and the original film, The Other Side of the Wind. Oh, brilliant. Um, wasn't that? Uh, yeah. Uh, Mark it? Cousins. Uh, yeah, The Other Side of the Wind. Yeah. And then um, that's about it for, from, from me, I think, uh, from, from Netflix. I never watched The Laundromat as well. That's in, in my list. Okay. Um, so we'll that's good fun we watched that a while ago and it took me a while to realize that oh she's playing multiple characters in this film okay yeah, yeah. so there's lots of stuff in there i have a lot of tv shows it's very hard to kind of filter um yeah one from from uh feature into lists but anyway your list sounds incredibly much more impressive and curated than mine mine is just like a shit show of just like chuck that in there yeah i'll come back to that i'll come back to that um altogether but yeah um who knows what what we'll we'll have so then mm -hmm. um yeah that's that's sort of it on that we can oh, also look then, like don't forget terrestrial tv for anybody who doesn't have you know the internet but if you don't have that you're probably not yeah. listening to this uh, you, so, you had one pick coming up next yeah, week yeah I, I heard an ad on the radio there that uh, Rosie the uh, Roddy Doyle written film um, is going to be on RT on St. Patrick's Day so the parade's cancelled so everyone should sit around and watch that yeah and if you want to kind of go very deep into the whole what's it like living during a pandemic slash you know global crisis um, New York Times New York Magazine's Vulture website has a really good article um, for films about this they break it down into pure pandemic films films about zombies and then obviously if things go bad, what it would be like in a post-apocalyptic kind of world. But um, the three that I just kind of picked out from that, the one that everyone is talking about as the sample for probably the closest version of this is Steven Soderbergh's Contagion, uh, just because I guess it's not 100 miles from what we're we're starting to see. Um, but it's a different kind of um, is this coronavirus. Is a recent film? Yeah. I, this totally passed me by. Yeah. Um, then you've got Outbreak uh, from oh, 1995. Yeah. Dustin Hoffman. Which is, is very much monkey. Yeah, Wolfgang Peterson's, uh, that's kind of like an Ebola level thing, which I think we're we're sort of realizing now that this isn't the thing that you catch it, you die. Mm. It's more, you know, you catch it, you carry it. You give it to old people, they die. Yeah, and the immunocompromised people, of which there are very many, many. We don't know enough about it yet. You're meant to be a scientist. You're meant to be a bit more respectful of uh, COVID-19. Mm. Um, and then one actually which did, uh, we're all on a bit of a South Korean buzz based on um, Parasite doing so well um, at uh, the Oscars, but it's a film called Flu from 2013, uh, which is a South Korean film about uh a situation like this so that looks really really good and then ultimately i think that kind of designed a lot of this which was of course 28 days later so that's when we get to that extreme point yeah that kind of you know 
what society could crumble down into is where we're at. But uh, that's sort of it on the COVID-19 thing. How are you doing, Pork, on the whole thing? Are you following? Yeah, kind of reading stuff. Uh, not becoming too panicked. You know, certain concern for certain family members and stuff because you're like, oh, God. Uh, not too worried about myself, but like, you know got some bars of soap and toilet rolls so i think it should be okay that's what it's going to come down to and bags of pasta <laughs> yeah. um but anyway all we'll say to any listeners uh keep washing hands uh maybe in our next podcast we won't we'll just do another remote we'll one we'll do a remote one yeah yeah so that's where we're at uh okay so we will kick into a few films that we have seen we it's always q1 of any year is always a bit of a slower cinema year in particular Once february and march yeah. because you're past all the awards season but we have seen a couple of uh recent um and current releases that we are going to dip into and we might kick off with one of your picks which is an invisible man do you've got do you want to get a clip that kicks us into or not it's okay um, if you don't have a clip no because it's just kind of it's all really about the tension so it's kind of you know you need to be in it to to see it uh yeah went to see this in the f- new well it's not new but i'd never actually been in it the screen one of the savoy um where they charge oh, yeah. you two euro extra for the pleasure of going to sit in it and it just seems like any other normal cinema screen it's not like the seats are bigger like it's and it's not even a big screen it's probably the biggest of the screens they have now because they've got like the old screen one was divided into lots of different screens i think so yeah so this is the biggest one anyway yeah so didn't really know a whole part about it suited for all the people that were going okay yeah uh, and I can just there's that. always a there's always a why did you end up in yeah, the Savoy because true. it's rarely yeah we, we both now the screen one cards. is gone yeah uh, it's not an appointment to yeah. uh, not destination necessarily mm. and with the lighthouse on our doorstep it's kind of like why would you go to the Savoy but um yeah so didn't really know the whole setup of it like I knew there's an invisible man but didn't know much of the backstory hadn't seen the trailer so it was kind of cool so it stars Elizabeth Moss she plays Cecilia Cass and it starts off with her um leaving her what I presumed was husband, but I don't know if it is actually, it's her boyfriend or partner or whatever. And uh, it's clear that she's drugged him and she's escaping from her house. She manages to do it. It's quite tense. Then gets picked up on a dirt road by her sister. And uh, then you kind of realize that he's been quite abusive to her. Uh, the partner is played by Olivia Oliver uh, Jackson Cohen. Um, he plays Adrian. So Elizabeth Moss then goes and hangs out with her friend, uh, who's played by Aldous Hodge. He plays James, who's this cop that we learn out pretty quick. So, you know, she's kind of telling the story that, like, you know, he was abusive, blah, blah, blah. She doesn't really want to leave the house. Then she gets a random call from a lawyer who turns out to be Adrian's brother. And he's like, oh, Adrian has killed himself. Adrian! Yeah, he's left you all this money. uh, You're going to get it, blah, blah, blah. But then you kind of realise that he hasn't killed himself. He's developed some technology where he can have be invisible and then he continues to torment uh, elizabeth moss it's a really it's really well done it's incredibly tense it's pos- probably a four-star film but it's Brilliant. a really kind of tense grim watch because it's like domestic abuse Um, there was a certain thing in the screening where the audience was kind of weird and they were that like jumpy being like when there's really tense moments you could hear people in the audience going like oh boo to like wind people up some people were quite nervous and it got to a point when it got quite serious where you were like this is a woman who's in a domestic abuse situation there's nothing about this that that's like funny funny or like oh this is kind of like cool so that kind of dawned on the audience and um there's 
absolutely mad stuff in it where you're just like this like it was it was so stressful to watch because it also then devolves into that like oh everyone thinks i'm crazy we know she's not crazy but it's kind of like is anyone else actually going to believe her so um yeah very very tense um it's directed by this is some good trivia now it's directed by um lee wannell who directed upgrade uh, what is Upgrade? Oh! The film from about two years ago where a guy kind of gets turned into a bit of a robot. But the trivia is he played Adam in the Saw films. So, you know, there's the two guys in the room, the first Saw. He was yeah. the one who isn't the guy from The Princess Bride. He's now a director and kind of directs his stuff. So, um, very impressive. Uh, yeah, so that is... I think it came out like a week or two ago, maybe last week. So that's still kind of playing. And uh, well worth a look. But a tough watch. Excellent. You know, we've got a new Saw film... The Chris Rock, Samuel L. Jackson film that's meant to be coming in a couple of months as well. What? Yeah. Really? They're, yeah, they're calling it uh, Spiral from the Book of Saw. So, um, wow. yeah. Cool. Just, uh, as in Chris Rock, uh, Samuel L. Jackson, they've kind of flipped it um, into that. So um, I'm Brilliant. looking forward to that. Apparently Chris Rock is a is a, uh, is a driving force behind this whole project. So something to look forward to there in May, if cinema actually gets to release it. Yeah. Um, my one that I got to see is out about a fortnight now, but um, it's phenomenal. Um, so it's Portrait of a Lady on Fire from director Celine Sciamma. Um, and I think it's a long time since a film kind of hit me just every single frame I was just kind of glued to the whole thing um so it's a story um set on an isolated island in Brittany at the end of the 18th century a female painter is obliged to paint a wedding portrait of a young woman um have you seen the trailer for it no I've seen okay. the, the imagery and stuff. Yeah, yeah so it's a I don't think it's any great thing but it's a it's a lesbian love story then where women just take center stage um men are almost completely absent until yeah, scene here um, at the beginning and end. It's obviously over 200 years old. Um, but um, I, d- I kind of want to read this bit out from the Sight and Sound review because it's actually a really good summary for the whole thing. And it actually encapsulates more so what I want to say. So haunting and downright um, revolutionary feature um, which makes you think about all the phony period dramas we've sat through. Prestige heritage cinema is so often packaged for women but rarely does it bother with the nitty gritty of their lives beyond who the characters will marry. Here, men are banished to the background in a thoughtful and tender 18th century set romance between a painter, Marianne, played by Noemi Merlon, and her unwilling subject, Heloise, um, played by Adele Henel. So um, it's just beautiful. It's completely gripping. You become incredibly invested in these characters um, and just so kind of rewarding to see a female-led story um, set in a period of time. So we know this. That's like, like We watch so much period stuff, and actually most of it is this kind of hokey Downton, la-di-da kind mm-hmm. of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just nice to see a slightly grittier thing. Reminded me a little bit about of um, the Wuthering Heights adaptation that... Uh, what's her name, dude? Yeah, I wasn't you know mad what I'm on talking that, about. but I know what you But mean. just in yeah, terms of that, that feel, feel, it's a grubbier kind of thing. Looked like it felt a bit like uh, uh, Lady Macbeth as well. Uh, yes yeah, yeah exactly just uh-huh. a bit more like not super kind of classy wealthy stuff so anyway mm-hmm. that's it so uh, that's a it's a solid five out of five um from wow. me yeah. and everyone needs to see it if they get a chance i'd so, say i'd say yeah. it'll probably end up on some of the on-demand platforms before long hopefully yeah uh, our film four involved maybe it'll come on forward don't know okay so the next one from me is color out of space 
um, if anyone saw the kind of like photos or promos from it, and I think it is from the producers of Mandy, you would kind of get that vibe. Uh, Mandy was kind of the revenge road trippy movie that starred Nicolas Cage from last year, kind of got called status even before it was released. Um, so Color Out of Space, uh, the, I suppose the standout thing is, is that it's directed by Richard Stanley and it's, um, oh, what's his name, Frodo? Um, Elijah Wood. Elijah Wood's production company. So seemingly what Elijah Wood has done is he made a shit ton of money with all his Lord of the Rings stuff and has his own production company and kind of gets these kind of quirky, uh, weird films, uh, gets the right people. So he kind of approached Richard Stanley with this and uh, it's based on a novel by H.P. Lovecraft. And the general story is kind of Nicolas Cage and all the promo stuff, but to me it's more about the kids. Uh, so we've got Madeline Arthur who plays uh, Lavinia. We've got Brendan Mayer who plays uh, Barry. People recognize him from kind of different uh, American films over the last couple of years. He's very familiar. And then Julian Hillard plays the kid. He plays Jack. He's kind of a young kid. And then we've got their parents, Nicolas Cage and Jolie Richardson. So it kind of opens with the kids kind of just... Did you go to it late at night, by the way? No, it went in the middle of the day because I'm currently on uh, holidays, which is great. And But there was an annoying thing about going to it in the middle of the day because there was a fair few students at it, which was quite clear. And the Nicolas Cage has exploded in the last couple of years with the cult like, oh, he's going to do a Nicolas Cage thing. So there were certain lines of dialogue he had and when he did certain things that were getting like huge guffaws and like, oh, this is brilliant. Like, woo, American style cheers and whoops. And you were kind of like, no, this isn't like, this part isn't funny and you're kind of ruining the movie so we just shut up like and go watch it seems like you're stoned. ready for some self-isolation there yeah i was just like watch it at home on a laptop when you're stoned with your mates okay and stop like ruining the cinema so it's um a meteor kind of crashes to their property their big farmland and it's kind of like oh, no big deal but then it starts kind of diffusing all this like mist and gook and whatever and people become infected and start tripping out seeing different things it infects loads of different uh in loads of different ways like there's a whole thing where he's got um not llamas alpacas he's got those so he's kind of uh he he's he's that's what he's set up as the farm you know so they become infected there's a really horrible like it really reminded me of it's really like a cronenberg there's an episode of Rick and Morty where they're like, oh, they're doing a Cronenberg on us where they all turn into these horrible creatures. There's a scene involving Jack, the kid, um, played by Julian Hillard and Jolie Richardson, the mum, where like they get uh, like a sound wave coming from the, the creature meteorite thing engulfs the two of them. And as a result of that, something happens and it's absolutely disgusting where you're like, this is just, it's that real you know creature horror like oh kind of gross so that it like it's quite a tough watch again like it's it's well done it's well acted Nicolas Cage is fine in it he does this thing where he kind of almost becomes possessed by his father's voice because it was his father's farm his father died his father never liked him and he impersonates his father's voice at one point and then as he becomes possessed, he be- turns into his father. So he's got this weird voice and doesn't really work. It's quite stupid. But the rest of the characters, the kids especially, like Madeline Arthur's brilliant in it. And um, 
there's kind of supporting roles from Elliot Knight and Tommy Chong, who plays like of Cheech and Chong fame. Oh who wow. kind and that seventies show. He uh, he's like this, you know, hippie kind of like oh the you know it's in the fiber and blah 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 blah. But uh, it works quite well. The end of it, it's fine. And there's a really lovely um, line or two of dialogue where I was like, oh, this is actually really well written. And I feel like that was lifted entirely from the novel. So I w- it kind of almost encouraged me to be like, oh, I might kind of go and read the novel because it sounds like it's kind of like a War of the Worlds, you know, type, you know, what would happen if aliens came and stuff. And it's just gone up to Cronenberg levels of kind of grossness. weirdness and ickiness yeah. cool okay so out of five you're landing on three and a half okay right um i guess that kind of we'll wrap it up there i think a little bit um we recently then this week lost the actor max von Sydow, who um died at the age of 90 um in france and he we would know him from the seventh seal obviously probably his most famous role the exorcist uh he was the three-eyed raven in Game of Thrones and all that kind of thing. So one of my favorite roles, though, that when we're chatting about stuff that we kind of think um, of him from was Minority Report, which uh, 2002 Steven Spielberg film, which I think about a lot. I love Minority Report. um, And I think we've talked about it in the past. Um, It's a great film. Kind of blew our minds with the whole... uh just kind of whip this from here and take this over here yeah. the whole tech table technology and stuff mm. it was recently featured if anyone just a small throwback to netflix if anyone's watching the cartoon paradise pd second season just landed and uh, there's a minority report precog joke in it where they've got precogs in the police station and i was like oh gosh no one really talks about minority report that much but a uh, very solid film so there we go so um there we go so this is just a clip from uh kind of near the end of the film uh, so if you haven't seen it uh Obviously, don't listen to this bit, but obviously go back and watch Minority Report. And this is a bit of a reveal. Tom Cruise, Max von Sydow, um, one more murder, uh, and we'll call the clip. Um, so we will see you again uh, when we see you. And thanks for listening. And yeah, cheerio. Thanks for work. Bye. Stay safe. Bye. No doubt the precogs have already seen this. No doubt. You see the dilemma, don't you? If you don't kill me, precogs were wrong and pre-crime is over. If you do kill me, you go away. But it proves the system works. Precogs were right. So what are you gonna do now? What's it worth? Just one more murder. You're right now with a halo, but people will still believe in pre-crime. All you have to do is kill me, like they said you would. Except, you know your own future, which means you can change it if you want to. You still have a choice, Lamar, like I did. Yes, I have a choice, but I made it. Forgive me, John. Forgive me. Forgive me, my boy.
think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cut it out. Chocolates! It doesn't say anything about a chocolates, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off. My boy says he can eat 50 eggs. He can eat 50 eggs.